This is the International Anthony Burgess Foundation podcast. In this episode, we're talking the art of translation with Anthony Burgess's current German translator, Ludger Tolksdorf. Translation is a little discussed form of literary creation and adaptation, and was an extremely important part of Burgess's life and work. Not only is Burgess's work translated into many languages, but he also translated poems, novels and plays into English, starting in 1962 with Michel de Saint-Pierre's New Aristocrats and Jean Pellegri's The Olive Trees of Justice. These were both translated in collaboration with his first wife, Lynn. In 1965, he translated The Man Who Robbed Poor Boxes by Jean Servant. A translation of Serrano de Bergerac by Edmund Rostand followed, and his translations of the sonnets of the Roman poet Giuseppe Gialcino Belli appeared in the second part of his novel, Abba Abba. The archive at the Burgess Foundation also has papers and books related to the work of Burgess's second wife, Liana, who worked as Thomas Pynchon's Italian translator, and went on to translate many of Burgess's books. To talk about his own experience of translating Burgess, Ludger Tolkstorff joined us from Bonn, where he works as an editor and translator. He began his career by translating several of Vladimir Nabokov's books, including Letters to Vera and the original of Laura. In 2018, he published the first volume of Burgess's Malayan trilogy, Yet Sign Tiger. His latest publication as editor is Sommerleiter by Klaus Weiser. It's published by Elsinore and has been selected for the 2021 longlist of the best books by independent German language publishing houses. Ludger is currently working on his translations of the second and third volumes of the Malayan trilogy, titled Der Feind in der Decke and Die Betten im Orient. They will be published by Elsinore in 2022. More information on his work can be found on his website www.lt-talkstorf. Now we'll hand over to the Burgess Foundation's Andrew Biswell, who talked to Ludger in July 2021. Ludger, welcome to the Anthony Burgess Foundation podcast. Uh, It's a great pleasure that you're able to join us. Um, First of all, tell us something about yourself. We're very interested to know um, your background, where you studied and how you began your career as a translator. Thanks very much for your warm welcome. Um, well, I've, I've got an MA from Bonn University in American Studies, Modern History and English. Um, and after I took my degree, I decided to um, try to do a PhD on Martin Amos and memory. And um, in order to um, earn my keep, I worked at the Institute of Agricultural Engineering of Bonn University and I did some administrative and translation work there. And um, after a while, it turned out that um, this PhD was not for me or that um, it was too much strain earning my keep in one area and um, doing um, advanced studies in a different one. So I gave up on the PhD and um, what I was left with was uh, the translation part from my um, job at the um, agricultural department. So I uh, worked as a freelance translator for a couple of years, um, doing mostly technical translations. Um, until in 2008, I think, Nabokov's son decided that he wanted to publish um, his father's posthumous novel, um, The Original of Laura. 
and I um, had the cheek to write to the prospective translator and suggest that he let me look over his shoulder while he was doing the translation. And um, in the end, it, um, he he made me co-translator of the um, of the book, and um, that's when I um, started a run of um, Nabokov translations. So um, yeah, that's how I started out. Very interesting connections between Nabokov and Burdis, of course, um, which kind of leads me into my next question, uh, which is about your first encounter with Anthony Burdis. I wonder um, when or how you first came across his writing. If, if I remember rightly, I think I was Alex's age when I first read um, A Clockwork Orange, 14 or 15, um, but I was only two or three years into learning English at the time. So I didn't quite get what the book was about, or the Natsat um, was too much for me at that moment. Um, so I think I returned to it later, five years later, when I was studying, and um, I really loved it then, and um, bought everything by Anthony Burgess that I could lay my hands on. I think um, Earthly Powers, One Hand Clapping, The Right to an Answer, Any Old Eye, and Nothing Like the Sun, Piano Players, End of the World News, The End of the Novels, yeah, all that, um, the usual reading. Sure, and the Malayan Trilogy, recently you've been working on the first German version of Burgess's Malayan Trilogy, Volume one's already published. Parts two and three are under contract and yeah. forthcoming from yeah. Elsinore. Um, and it's interesting to know. Interesting for us to know. Was that something you proposed? Did, did you find the translation, or did it find you? No, I, uh, it was something that I proposed because it um, it was a book that I really liked a lot, and um, that I thought might be worth putting into German because um, it's difficult to understand for a non-native speaker of English, I think, because it, because of the colonial setting and because of the um, colonial language in it, all the um, this polyphony of colonial voices, um, Malays um, learning English at, a, uh, at an English school and um, speaking um, English with a bookish tone, with outdated idioms or with their typical kinds of mistakes. That's something that's um, very difficult to follow for a German reading English. So I thought that um, that might be something worth putting into German and making accessible for Germans. Although that's um, one big part of the challenge of translating the book as well. Well, I'm sure there are other challenges as well. There's a lot of Malay in the novel, as we know from yeah. Burgess's glossary that he published slightly later. Also elements of Chinese, uh, Urdu, other languages. Yeah. Um, so faced with the challenge of, of um, you know, making, making this uh, intelligible to German readers, how do you go about that? I, I think that was the least of the problems in that novel, because um, I just left those parts in. Um, I, did, I didn't have to change them. I think what Anthony Burgess does in the Malayan Trilogy is similar to what he does with Natsat in A Clockwork Orange. It's some kind of brainwashing process. You can pick up some Malay um, while reading the book. And um, I, I have a suspicion that he um, glued the um, glossary on afterwards at um, his publisher's request. I think that's right, yes. And... Um, 
his, probably his intention was to make readers learn um, Malay by reading the book. So um, I think I, I was able to leave that alone. And, and I've, I didn't want to put in um, footnotes on every single page because I wanted to keep it in the spirit of Burgess, forcing you to learn while you're reading. And you're right. Often the, um, the the Malay words and so forth, the the meaning is apparent from the context, yeah. uh, the, the position within the sentence and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and that is of a piece with the Clockwork Orange uh, and other works. Um, Burgess, I'm sure, would have agreed with uh, your principle there because uh, when he was in discussion with his translators, he 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 very much disliked the uh, the notes at the bottom of the page uh, yeah. or the translation notes. Yeah translator's notes which say a play of words that is not translatable something like that yeah um finding equivalence in the uh, in the new language is um, really the way he preferred to do it yeah so uh, tell us about your your own writing process how many drafts do you do um how, how do you go about um presumably there, there's there's a, a quite a gradual process a number of different sweeps and different activities at each stage tell us something about that i, I think it translated uh, it, it depends a lot on, on what i'm working on i think in um in the malayan trilogy um i did one run um from beginning to finish leaving out the um the poetry and um after that, I think in a second one, I um, returned to the poetry and um, concentrated on the natural flow of the German version. And um, I checked um, the character speech in the novel because um, that, as I said, was one of the challenges, um, turning colonial English into some kind of German for which there is no equivalent. Um, Germany never had that kind of um, colonies where people um, of a significant number learned German um, in German schools. And after that, I think in a third um, run through, I went to the through the whole text and checked it against the original again, because I um, never want to move away too much from the original. And um, after that, there was another final read-through. So I think it's it's four or five workings, four or five drafts that I um, did, at least. That's very impressive. I mean, it's also, um, for anyone who doesn't know it, I should say it's a, it's a very substantial work, the, 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 the trilogy. Yeah. Um, you've got something like um, 600 pages in the original English version. And I, I expect... Your translation is perhaps even longer than that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's ten um, percent longer than the, um, the original. That's the kind of extension you get when you translate into German. Yes, and tell people why that is. I mean, that, that's always an interesting point that the translation tends to be longer. Um, I I don't quite know. I mean, German is quite famous for its long words, and um, I think the, the sentence structure is a bit more complicated. That's that's one of the main reasons, I think. Now, Burtis's three Malayan books are obviously a series of comic novels. And I, I wonder, are there particular tests here for the translator? How do you approach the difficulty of translating things like jokes and puns and humour more generally? Yeah, um, it's, it's difficult to generalise, really, because um, every single problem requires an individual answer. 
sometimes I usually translate very close to the text and um, move away from it when when required, and that's um, jokes and puns are when I have to move away from the literal meaning of um, the original. Um, maybe I can give you one example. In, um, in Time for a Tiger, Nabi Adams's dog is called Kof, and um, there's a lot of um, or a few different jokes involved there because um, the obvious one is that um, probably the um, name stems from the previous owner because the, the dog kept getting under his previous owner's feet and um, he was told in impolite language to get lost. So, um, and an additional aspect is that um, in the mid fifties, it was impossible in a novel to write fuck off. Um, so that is also a wink to the reader from Burgess personally as the author um, telling him, well, I, I can sneak it in anyway. So um, the difficulty was, um, how can I translate this? Obviously, the, the literal meaning of cough doesn't really play a great role, but um, I had to find um, an equivalent for um, fuck off or piss off. And um, I came up with a very, um, with what in hindsight seems very obvious, but um, something that um, Burgess's other translators um, didn't think of when encountering um, this um, Falkoff in um, in the Enderby novels. Um, and I said, I called the, the dog Istich, which in German means eat yourself, um, which is all, um, similarly empty of real meaning, um, similar to cough. And, um, but it, you, can sound, uh, you can tell that it, uh, it's an abbreviation of fapistisch, meaning piss off. So um, that was one of the um, solutions that I had to find. It's terribly boring in um, hearing it explained. <laughs> no, it's it's fascinating uh, for, for for us completely, um, and uh, there are other kinds of riddles, I suppose, in the text. You've got your quotations, your allusions, um, and I wondered how how much of that material, um, especially if Burgess is referencing uh, something like Tennyson. I don't know how well he's known to German yeah. readers. How much of that material is it possible? Do you think to communicate in your translation? Um... I think a lot of that has to get lost. Um, I mean, the the fact that he is um, referencing Tennyson or um, Hopkins, that will be something that gets lost on the reader. But um, those passages always stick out in um, in the normal prose. For example, um, <clears throat> the there's a scene um, where Lieutenant Flaherty um, is hung over. And um, in A Time for a Tiger, it says, At that moment, a groan of penitence came from an upper room. It was flatty, ill. God's most deep decree bitter would have him taste. That sticks out, and um, you immediately notice that there's something else going on. This is not Burgess. And um, I decided that I would... I mean, there are... Um, translations of this poem in German, but um, they didn't really seem appropriate. They didn't seem strange enough. So I did translated this line myself and um, made sure that it does sound strange in German, that 
even German readers notice that um, this comes from somewhere else, even even if they don't know that it's from um, Hopkins. And I still, as I said before, I didn't want to put in footnotes. I might one day put in uh, put um, publish um, a list of notes on the publisher's website, but um, I think it's not. It shouldn't be part of the book. It's it's not in the spirit of Burgess. You you have to. Um, be willing to learn and look up. Ludger, you very kindly agreed to read us some passages from your translation of Time for a Tiger. In this scene from Time for a Tiger, Fenella Crabb reads The Wasteland to Nabi Adams and Aladad Khan. Was aber war Nabi Adams? Sie konnte nicht glauben, dass er mit Vornamen wirklich Abel hieß. Und Nabi Adams Herkunft? Hatte er tatsächlich eine indische Mutter und einen eurasischen Vater? In seinen Erzählungen erschienen diese Figuren als derbe Dorfbewohner aus Northamptonshire. Sein Vater war Küster, seine Mutter hatte ein Händchen fürs Backen und für das Räuchern von Schinken. Tief im Innersten von Nabby Adams lag ein nie zu lösendes Rätsel. Ich bin kein Freund von der Kirche, Mrs. Crabbe, aber für eine schöne Lethargie habe ich immer was übrig. Eine schöne Lethargie? Fenella Crabb stellte allerlei eigentümliche Versuche mit Nabby Adams an. Sie spielte ihm auf dem Grammophon Bach vor und er sagte, das ist richtig clever, Mrs. Crabb, da kann man fünf Melodien gleichzeitig hören. Sie las ihm und Aladad Khan das Wüste Land von Mr. Elliot vollständig vor und Nabby Adams sagte, beim Kartenspiel hat er sich vertan, Mrs. Crabb. Es gibt im Tarot keine Karte, die der Mann mit den drei Stäben heißt. Diese Karte, die er meint, ist eine normale Drei, so wie die Kreuz Drei. Und als sie am düsteren, donnersprechenden Schluss des Gedichts angelangt waren, hatte Aladat Khan ernst genickt. Datta, Dayadwam, Damyata, Chanti, Chanti, Chanti. Er sagt, den Teil versteht er, Mrs. Crabb. Er sagt, das ist es, was der Donner sagt. And here's the English version. But what was Nabi Adams? She could not believe that his first name was really Abel. And the genesis of Nabi Adams? Did he really have an Indian mother or a Eurasian father? These characters emerged in his stories as salty Northamptonshire rurals. His father had been a sexton, his mother a good hand with pastry and curing a ham. At the core of Nabi Adams lay a mystery never to be solved. I'm not one for the church, Mrs Crabbe. But I do like a good im. A good? Im. Fenella Crabb submitted Nabby Adams to all kinds of curious experiments. She played bark to him on the gramophone, and he said, That's very clever, Mrs Crabb. You can hear five different tunes going on at the same time. She read to him and Aladad Khan the whole of Mr Elliot's The Wasteland, and Nabby Adams said, He's got that wrong about the pack of cards, Mrs. Crabb. There ain't no card called the man with three staves. That card what he means is just an ordinary three, like as it may be the three of clubs. And when they came to the dark, thunder-speaking finale of the poem, Aladad Khan had nodded gravely. Datta, Dayadvam, Damyata, Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. He says he understands that bit, Mrs. Crabb. He says that's what the thunder says. Now, I also wonder 
what kind of reference books you use when you're working. And I ask this because I once visited Burdis's French translator, Georges Belmont, in his study. And, and there on his desk was an enormous uh, dictionary of synonyms, yeah. which I, I guess was essential to, to his practice. But there must be other things as, as well, especially for writers like uh, Nabokov and Burgess, dictionaries of slang and so forth. Uh, tell us about that. Mm, I've, I've got a couple of um, dictionaries of slang, but um, or dictionaries in general, but mostly I use online sources. Um, Google is very effective. Um, in the case of um, the Malayan trilogy, I use um, Liana Burgess's um, Italian version for passages that are um, somehow unclear to me, um, because I assume that she worked with her husband and was able to ask him what he meant in a certain passage. Um, and, well, I use online dictionaries mostly, the OED um um, Green's slang dictionary is very good. Liana, you're right, uh, did work very closely with Burgess on her translations. And in particular, when she was translating the end of the world news into Italian, though they were living in the same house, she would type up a list of queries uh, as if sending it in the post. Yeah. And I think probably put it under the, the closed door of his study. And he would then go through her typewritten list and write the answer to her queries by hand. And then, as I imagine it, go back to her study and, and put it under the door so as not to disturb her. And, and they, they, they did work, um, I, I'm sure, very closely. Interesting to know that you're referring to this Italian um, version. That's, uh, um, you know, I'm sure a very valuable um, source of information and so forth. Now, um, my next question is really whether anything gets lost in translation. You've touched on this already. What happens if you can't find an exact equivalent for English idioms or old-fashioned bits of slang? Yeah, it's difficult to say, really. Um, it always requires um, an individual solution. For example, um, in, in The Enemy, in The Blanket, um, one of Talbot's strange poems contains um, a slang expression um, in this poem. Cracks open the leaden corncrake sky with crass, angelic wails as round as cornfruit, sharp as crowfoot, clawfoot, rash, brash, loutish gouts of lime or vinegar strokes, till the crinkled fish start from their lace of bone. And these um, vinegar strokes, um, according to Green's um, slang dictionary, um, means the final thrusts of sexual intercourse and... Um, something that I had to look up because it sounded strange to me and um but the difficulty in this context was um is Talbot even aware of using this or the, aware of the meaning of this phrase or is any of the characters in the scene aware of um the meaning of this phrase so um when translating this I decided not to um, go for a similar idiom or a similar slang expression in German but to um to give the German um, text sexual connotations or to, to amplify the sexual connotations in the, in the poem um, to a degree that I could still say, well, I didn't notice. I, um, this has nothing to do with me as a translator. I wasn't aware of this being in the, um, in the text. Um, I wanted to ask a bit more about Burgess. Um, uh, as we know, Burgess and both of his wives, Lynn and Liana, they were all 
very heavily involved in translation. Uh, if you think about the activity in their various houses, you've got French books coming into English, English books going into Italian. Um, he is working with other people to translate Belly um, from Roman dialect into Lancashire dialect. He's also inventing new languages, as we know, for A Clockwork Orange and the film Quest for Fire. And then towards the end of his life, he was reworking Blooms of Dublin with Liana as an Italian musical. Um, now, there is a question here, which is, what do you make of Burgess as a, a literary translator? I think I, re I really like his um, um, sonnet translations of Belly because they... Um, I, I don't I can't read the original, but um they seem very um engaging and a very funny um take on the originals. And um I think the the quality of the the sonnets lies in the fact that he sticks very closely to the rules of the sonnet and also delivers some kind of joke. I don't know how close the um the joke is to to the joke in the belly, belly poems, but as texts, they seem they seem very successful. Is all I can say. And um, of course, he had to um, move away from the literal um, meaning of the original, as um, Paul Howard shows in his edition of um, Abba Abba. I wonder, do you think is it possible to work out? Did Burgess have a theory of translation, um, or do you have one? Um, I think Burgess could have come up with one at the flick of a switch um, and with a new one two weeks later. Um, I, <laughs> I think in one of his texts he says that um, translation is always transformation. Um, I would say that it's um, approximation, but I think the context in which he said um, that it was transformation was... Um, translation between different cultures. I think he was talking about translation from Chinese into English um, and from Malay into English, whereas my point of reference is always English into German and um, um, we're culturally, culturally very similar. So um, there's not that wide a um, gap to be bridged by translation. So it's not... Um, we have a shared cultural frame of reference. Um, so the challenge is, is not quite as big or quite the same as um, in translation between cultures. So it's therefore, I think, that um, when I translate, it's more a challenge of um, approximation rather than transformation. In most cases, you, approximation is enough and in exceptional cases, as we discussed, you have to find different um, solutions. Now, I have a very broad question arising out of Burdus's work and your own work. How far do you think of him as a British writer or a European writer? I think it's um, difficult to assign geographical names here. Um, I think his, his point of departure is always Britain and, and British culture. but. Um, He's he's not in any way parochial, so um, and not parochial in in terms of um, reference to to Britain, but not um, Eurocentric either. 
I think his his work on language, for example, shows his um, interest in in the entire world. And I think whatever he um, he writes about, he he takes the the entire world into consideration. So he, in that respect, I think he's a world writer. But on the other hand, um, I think in one of his essays he said that um, he wanted to be the kind of author that um, foreigners learn English for, so that they can read his books in English. And that's, um, in that way, he would be an English writer, primarily. Yeah, there's a lot there, isn't there, to um, to, to to think about. Um, and certainly after he left England in 1968, I think he thought of himself much more as an international person of letters, um, possibly a European writer, maybe m much more outward looking. Though in a sense, he'd always been leaving England. I mean, when he went to Gibraltar, when he went to Malaya, when he went to Russia. So it, it's very difficult to separate his life into periods of, you know, sort of English activity or, or other kinds of activity. Um, and I suppose learning languages um, at school, growing up with the Latin mass and so forth, um, there were always other other languages, other uh, influences at work in his life. Here's an extract from Time for a Tiger. This is one of the drinking scenes where Victor and Fenella Crabb are enjoying a drink with Nabby Adams and Aladad Khan. Etwas Gin, Nabby. Nicht auch, sagte Nabby Adams. Bitte kein Wasser. Ich schmeck ihn gern pur. Ohne das Gesicht zu verziehen, trank er einen prallen Schluck von dem reinen Schnaps. Schüchtern ließ Aladad Khan sich das Gleiche geben und brach in einen Hustenanfall aus. Darin liegt sein verdammtes Problem, sagte Nabby Adams. Glaubt, er kann trinken, aber er kann es gar nicht. Los, setzte er hinzu, immer raus damit, wenn es keine Miete zahlt. Es war bedauerlich, dass sie ausgerechnet jetzt hereinkam. Er, Aladat Khan, vom Husten rot angelaufen unter seinem Braun, die Augen voller Tränen, Feuer in der Kehle. Er hatte vorgehabt, ruhig und zuvorkommend zu sein und in sorgfältigem Englisch zu sagen, Guten Abend, Mem Saab. Danke, Mem Saab. Sie trat ein, anmutig in dünnem, blumigem Stoff, freundlich und besorgt. »Lassen Sie sich von dem nicht stören, Mrs. Crabb«, sagte Nabby Adams und blieb unbewegt sitzen. »Der Künstler da hustet sich nur die Seele aus dem Leib.« Fenella vernahm es mit Freuden. Ein Künstler, der sich die Seele heraushustete. Das ließ sich auf jeden der schwindsüchtigen Poeten beziehen. Irgendwann müsste sie es verwenden. »And here's the same scene in English.« »Have some gin, Nabby.« no thanks, said Nabby Adams. No water. I like to taste it as it is. He drank with no grimace a bulging mouthful of the raw spirit. Aladad Khan accepted shyly the same and burst into a shock of coughing. That's his bloody trouble, said Nabby Adams evenly. Thinks he can drink and he can't. Go on, he added. Get it up even though it's only a bucketful. It was unfortunate that she should enter just then. He, Aladad Khan, red with coughing under his brown, eyes full of tears, fire in his gullet. He had meant to be calm, gentlemanly, saying in careful English, Good evening, Mem Sahib. Thank you, Mem Sahib. She entered, graceful in thin flowery stuff, gracious and solicitous. Don't mind about him, Mrs. Crabb, 
said Nabby Adams, remaining calmly seated. He's only coughing his heart up. Vanella heard this with appreciation. Coughing his heart up. That could apply to any of the tubercular poets. She must use it sometime. Now, I wanted to ask um I wanted to ask about the role of the literary translator because uh, it's very interesting for for me and for us to find out whether you think of yourself as a kind of invisible presence uh, or as a creative artist who is maybe even the joint author of the text. What conclusions do you arrive at about that? Um, I see myself as ideally invisible. Um, I, I don't want to be visible to the reader. It, it has to feel like a, a natural read. I have immense respect for people who are able to write entire books and um, I wouldn't be able to do it. So I, I have respect for the original author and I think the, the main achievement is the writing of the original book. It's thinking it up and um, the words are only a, a trace of what has gone into the book and being able to reproduce that in a different language is um, by no way... Um, comparable to to the original work, to the original effort of writing the book. So it's more of a parrot, really. A lucky parrot. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, tell us about the, 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 the translations you've been working on, the Burgess books. Uh, obviously, volumes two and three of the trilogy are um they're under contract when will they be out um i hope they will be out next year um, um volume two has been um i've i've um, finished translating that and um i'm working on volume three now well we'll look forward to that very much um and for your own part do you have ambitions to translate uh, other burgess novels or are you hoping to work on different projects I mean, there are a lot of um, other books by Burgess that I would love to translate. Um, um, I I would really like to um, like Burgess to take off in German, become a success, and um, it's it's a question of really finding a publisher willing to take the risk time and again and um, to invest money. That um, so I will. I hope that um, <clears throat> soon there will be um, good sales for Anthony Burgess in Germany. Excellent. Well, um, we, we, we'll look forward to that very much. And thank you, Ludger, for opening yeah. the, the door on your workshop and uh, telling us about the nuts and bolts of translation. It's been a pleasure. It's been really interesting. A pleasure yeah. to have you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for your interest. Thanks. You have been listening to the International Anthony Burgess Foundation podcast. Ludger Tolkstorff's final two volumes of the Malayan Trilogy will be published in 2022. To find out more about his work, visit www.lt-tolkstorff.de. For more information about Anthony Burgess, visit our website www.anthonyburgess.org. You can also connect with us on Twitter at Anthony Burgess. If you have enjoyed this podcast, remember to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts.